Welcome to Throttled Up, the podcast. Throttled Up will be a weekly podcast featuring Matt and Dustin. We plan to discuss the legendary Brownstown Speedway, along with other local dirt tracks, Eldora, Salem Speedway, and all of your IndyCar and NASCAR news. Don't miss an episode of Throttled Up, the podcast. Hey, Mo, are you going to win it? Yeah, I hope y'all brought some stamps, because y'all know I'm about to send it on me. Dirt, 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 I'm all about that. Dirt, 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 I'm throwing. Welcome back to Throttled Up, the podcast. Uh, got another guest in studio this week. Uh, pretty special guest. Excited to get a chance to talk to him and, and interview him. But before we get into that, I do want to reach out and say thank you again to our sponsors. Um, those sponsors are in the Fastlane Productions. Uh, I have been on the new website. If you hadn't had a chance to check it out yet, get there in the fastlaneproductions.com. They've made some great new additions and done some great things to update that that website. So, you know, check them out. Subscribe for the, uh, the premium service and, and definitely check out all their content there. Also, Schaefer Photo and Custom Tee. Uh, Mark and Jamie Schaefer, again, if we ever get the races in at Brownstown, stop by behind the grandstand, check out what they do. Uh, great appreciation for everything they've done for us and, and helping us get this started. So if you see them at the, at the track, um, hopefully this weekend, make sure you say hi and thank them what, for what they're doing here for the Throttled Up podcast. And then last but not least, again, Kenny Montgomery for allowing us to use his new song, Dirt, uh, for our entrance and exit song. The last thing I want to say is I want to say thank you um, before I bring you in here, Matt, to the listeners and the feedback we've gotten so far. We've gotten a lot of great feedback, uh, a lot of listeners uh, checking out the podcast, and I really appreciate that. So I would say in the same way that we're asking you to get out to the track and bring a friend, tell somebody about the podcast and make sure they, they take a listen because it's a great opportunity for us to put a spotlight on some of these local drivers. So 
after all of that matt how are you this evening doing great man like you said you know after we had uh, zach stalker on there that last one i think he went back to vincennes and picked up a whole lot of listeners out there at college you know so we had to tell everybody that he was on a podcast yeah i think if we ever get the opportunity to head down to vincennes university we might be just local celebrities of vincennes <laughs> university now so I'm, I'm kind of excited to head down there yeah i agree with you you know he but like you said it seems like every time we bring a guest on you know they tell their circle of friends who tells their circle of friends and uh we're definitely growing so keep it up guys and you know if you like what we're doing let somebody else know so you know they can listen to us so with us tonight we have devin gilpin um devin welcome to the podcast thanks for coming awesome man uh, thanks for having me this is a heck of a setup and <laughs> glad to be here uh we are we are very very excited to have you with us so um you know devin i'm gonna kind of just start out and throw out the idea of you know where does this love and passion for racing going and it's kind of a i know a cliche question but it's something we've asked every driver because we're starting to see some themes but where does your love and passion for this come from you know i'm a third generation race car driver um my my grandpa gilpin raced and my dad raced and then my grandpa and my mom's uh, my mom's dad raced so i had no choice i had it on both sides of the family actually and you know just fortunate to have guys like my grandpa to to give me the opportunity to do this with the with all the high cost it costs to do this you know i wouldn't be able to do it without my grandpa and all the support from my family and uh, you know that's how i got started I, I grew up at the racetrack falling asleep in my mom's lap in the bleachers and it's just been an uh, you know it's part of life for me you know and it's it's uh it's crazy to think it's came this far and and you know just hopefully we can just keep progressing and, and keep going up the ladder here it is something that you know that that dirt one i don't know if it's if you inhale the dirt when you're there so often but it just it gets in your blood and you can't get rid of it and <laughs> every driver we've had on that's what it's come back to is that family connection you know that tie and and that's a really cool deal there's not too many sports that run like that you know where you grow up like that and and you start doing it you know you look at all the other you know stick and ball sports they don't have that connection it doesn't seem like like racing does you know it goes you're born into it and you know i wasn't born on the the driver's side of things but my grandfather was a diehard race fan and brought me like you know i fell asleep in the grandstands and it just got to where when saturday night came i got to be at the racetrack somewhere doing something like that you know that seems like that's how it is it's just a, a family affair and they they you know the parents drag the kids along and that's where the kids grow up playing tag out in the in the grass and and meeting their buddies and that just seems like that's how it gets started for a lot of people you you rarely see someone that you know hasn't grown up in racing getting into the sport so i know we need more people like that now but it just uh it's just a family deal for me that's how it all got going and with all the things going on in the world where else could you would you rather be than a local dirt track because you know even your worst competitor your guys are still family because you all have that same love of, of everything you know, absolutely so. it is a big family man uh like i said all of us has grown up watching you know the people i'm racing with now i watch their dads and their grandpas or you know so on and so forth it's just uh it is a big family you know we all might have confrontation or conflicts from time to time but we all seem to work it out and always there to help each other when uh when they need help well right. it's gonna it's it's gonna happen you go from playing tag in the grass to some saturday nights you play tag on the track a little bit <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i know that's not the goal going out but every now and then you, you got to <laughs> remind somebody you're there absolutely that's how it works man uh i always tell everybody i i, I don't take my friends to the races with i i don't 
you know, I take my friends with me. I ain't there to make friends, but uh, <laughs> I have a lot of friends there, and it's, you know, I'm just so thankful to be involved in this sport, and just hopefully we can keep doing it, you know, just with the economical times. It's tough, but, you know, that's why we have a lot of good sponsors and, uh, you know, keep digging to get more sponsors to, to keep going. I'm glad you brought that up because one thing we've been trying to do is give drivers an opportunity to really promote those sponsors here on the podcast because there's not enough companies and businesses that are jumping into to racing right now and the ones that are in there's a love and passion there so why don't you take a second here and kind of tell us those sponsors that are helping you get there every every weekend yeah well first and foremost like i said without my grandpa many years ago believing in me and and giving me the shot to to do this i wouldn't be here without my grandpa don fleetwood at dasco and then lance valerie from waverly ohio uh ran into him at atomic one night and uh he came up talking to me and i just thought hell you know this is like any other sponsor he we're gonna try but you know if you can if you talk to 100 people and 99 of them shoot you down you can get one you know you feel like you you was pretty successful at getting it and and lance came on board and he has been he has turned our team around without him we wouldn't be able to do this and and jim beeman for giving me an opportunity to drive his stuff jim's got top of the line stuff and just couldn't be more thankful for him and and all the guys that master built tater and all them guys and and uh rick robinson at insultech uh bane logging out of brownstown my uncle at blondies he 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 feeds me so every day so that, that's a big expense on him but uh that's pretty good food too yeah yeah my uncle mason he takes care of me and has forever so that, that's probably one of my best sponsors there but just there, there's a whole list of people that i couldn't and, and previous sponsors you know larry dunn at a1 pallet he was with me for a long time and, and really helped us a bunch and um let's see nitec out of brownstown uh, indiana interstate group uh beeman's got a lot too that help him jason clarkson logging uh ellis gas and oil bradley machine um there's just so many of them and without each and every one of them we wouldn't be able to do it because like i said the 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 diesel fuel up and down the road the expense in these super late model motors and the tires and everything just costs so much to do this and without each and every one of them we wouldn't be able to do it so i'm just so thankful to have good partners and still looking for more partners you know you can never have enough and uh but the ones we have are very thankful for, and, you know, just hopefully we can continue a long relationship with them. And I think it's important to note that for anybody who may be looking, have a business that's looking for a, a way to advertise or get out there, understanding that these relationships you can build with drivers and teams, you guys are their best promotion. I mean, you can run, and I'm not knocking radio ads or things like that. You can run a 30-second, 60-second commercial but when you build a great relationship like the sponsors you just mentioned, the word of mouth you're going to give them is invaluable in what they're going to get back. So if people are looking, I hope they reach out to you. Yeah, especially the local area, you know, in the Brownstown, Seymour, Columbus, North Vernon area, if you got a business. And, you know, these racetracks get a lot of people through the season, and there's a lot of eyes on it, you know. And uh, it's a good way to promote your business to, to get more – to get eyes on you, you know. And uh, I think a lot of people – you know the businesses that maybe are haven't been to races you know they they need to come and they need to check it out because it's a cool deal um there's a lot of people that go there's a lot of people that see it you know if the icebreaker to be you know if if we get a race this weekend it'll be packed house and uh you know that's great for the businesses uh it's a great way to get out there and, and get their company some exposure well you were talking about you know the exposure you get at the racetrack but then let's go back to you know our sponsors you know in the fast lane all the video you can watch online that you has your sponsors on the video and you know mark and jamie schaefer there you know any, any photograph of you they're 
all your sponsors are right there also. So, I mean, there's a lot of different medias that, you know, we can get your guys' sponsors out, but, you know, with that stuff in racing. Because, you know, like, like Dustin said, you know, I think that's a great exposure. And it's not just a 30-second spot. You know, if your picture's hanging up somewhere, you know, everybody walks by sees it every time they walk by. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's like uh, just getting your, you know, getting teamed up with a good driver and, and getting, you know, going to victory lane. You know, everyone's going to notice that, you know, that car and the sponsors. And and, and that's what a sponsor wants, you know, that they or at least I feel that way. They, they, they want to win. That's, that's what all my sponsors want. They want to go to victory lane. So... Like I said, uh, just it's hard to get them. It, it, it's very hard to get the sponsors, but it's not just a sponsorship for me. I, I've I've been able to build great friendships with with all my sponsors, and it and it goes past racing. You know, I have a, me and Lance Fowler's great friends now, but just because we met one night at Atomic, you know, it's it's crazy to think I, I, that I, I got a great friend in Ohio that I just met one evening that has furthered my racing career. So just it's just uh, been a whirlwind, and and you know, just hopefully we can keep it going and, and keep building on it let's uh let's step back how old were you when you first got down in a race car i was five when i got in a go-kart race go-karts until i was like 12 and then uh my uncle mason uh was promoting thunder valley at the time in salem indiana and uh it was it's a it was a smaller scale stuff they had many stocks and pure stocks and ran a little bit of modifieds and my grandpa he got me a a mustang two and uh and we uh we gutted it and and put a cage in it and and built this thing and terrence johnson built us a little four-cylinder motor and and man we had a ball with that thing we raced salem we went to all the local county fairs osgood shelbyville rushville and just had a blast i mean we we won a bunch of races in it and it was it was an economy car it didn't cost us a whole lot we built it together you know a 13 year old kid and his grandpa building a car man that's cool in itself how much cooler can you get and then uh then when i was 14 that's when we went to mod racing and uh you know i raced mods until i was 23 24 i thought i was gonna be a modified driver forever honestly i'd i i'd my my passion was always to be a dirt late model guy and i'd almost gave up on it i thought heck man i've won three national titles in in the modifieds and no one had came knocking on my door yet and then finally jim beeman called me and or actually jesse puckett out of kentucky gave me my first ride in a late model and it just didn't work out because I was doing the modified stuff more so and racing for the championships. And then uh, Beeman, Beeman uh, got with me, and then it seems like just everything, once that happened, that's when we took off. And for those listening that don't know, like, like uh, Devin said, he is a three-time national champion in the UMP Modifieds, and he's also last year's super late model champion at Brownstown Speedway. So success took right off for you there in the super late model also, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, the first year in 15 with uh, Beeman, i i think we won like the first five in a row at brownstown in our late model and in uh 16 had a really good year we went and uh did the schaefer's oil southern national series and it's a it's kind of like a, a summer national series but it's a it's a 16 day uh, 14 race series like a little mini series and i'd never seen any of the racetracks in the south and i was the first northerner to ever win <laughs> win the title so that was pretty cool and then uh last year uh me and me and beeman split going into the 17 season and uh me and my grandpa got our own late model stuff because he he had got to where he was really liking the late models and and seeing that i could do that with the late model and we had success with my grandpa stuff in the bloomquist car we won the born free 40 and and then beeman called me back and i was like heck yeah man this guy's got good stuff and and i need to get back in it so 
and then we you know about won the steve barnett deal ran second to jimmy owens that was huge felt like we had a damn good shot of winning the icebreaker there or the jackson there had motor trouble and then we we go to dixie and rome with lucas and winning heats and top tens and went to the dirt track world championship and made it and it's just been crazy really excited for this year i think we got a good shot of of winning a lucas race and, and turning some heads and and showing everybody that that we're a top team here and we can do this and that, that's got to make you feel good man a kid out of columbus indiana coming out and you know lucas oil to me is the best in the best of, of dirt late models and, and i mean you are somebody when you roll out there that those regular guys on that series are wondering where you're at and what you're doing because you're a contender every time you race with them guys absolutely and, that, and that's just crazy to say because I, i'm with you I, the lucas oil is the that's the nascar of the dirt late model stuff and for them to consider me you know maybe a contender night in and night out that's just that's really humbling and uh you know just hopefully we can get one you know i close there at brownstown like I said the jackson i i could taste it and just hopefully this year you know we can get there if you or hudson win a lucas race at brownstown that place will be tore down you realize that man. oh yeah it's gonna be crazy you'll have to take weeks off to build it back because i mean it'll that place will go crazy it will that that's like <laughs> that heat race of the steve barnett deal me and hudson was battling it out and I th- you know i think the the fans rival between me and him and 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 want a rivalry between me and him but me and him's buddies so yeah it's kind of crazy but yeah if if he or i can win that thing that that place go nuts oh yeah yeah we need to get blondies to throw out you know a, a post-race party after that right now that that sounds like <laughs> the place to be yeah i can probably work on that i know a guy not to put any pressure but i i've ate there several times it's great food so i'm thinking a post-race party after a lucas win so oh yeah if we win a lucas race we'll we'll tear that place down for sure <laughs> and that that was an invite correct yeah, absolutely <laughs> Hey, when you when you go back to you know that upbringing and going through those stages, what was the biggest difference at every level you jumped? It, it, was it an easy transition? Were there things that you know really made it tough, or what was that transition like from each each level? Really, uh, getting into modifieds. It when I got into modifieds, it was like oh six oh seven, and at that time at Brownstown, to make the race was a feat you know they they had two b mains every they would get 50 cars every night and they would have two b mains and to make it was tough and it, it, it took me a while to make a race at brownstown i remember the first time i made it i i passed uh uh jd roberts uh for the for the transfer spot and steve Treby won so i mean that 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 was uh that was a big deal for me back then to make a feature at brownstown and modify and it seemed like it took me a while to get going but once we went to uh once we got an impressive car out of st louis donnie jumper it seemed like that's when we took off when i when i got with them guys and got one of their cars that's when that's when we started winning races and i was getting more experience as a driver and it wasn't easy but uh we just kept digging man i got a i got a really smart grandpa and and he knows what he's doing on these things and and that and that that's the whole deal you're only as good as your race car i say it over and over again and i I feel like i got the best car because my grandpa's just a genius on these things and like i've said it million times if it wasn't for him i i wouldn't be here you know i'd I'd be racing a hornet or something probably if it wasn't for my grandpa do you think that competition that you faced at brownstown week in week out and that that grind has helped you be the success you are absolutely man that back in the day that everybody always said if you win at brownstown you can go anywhere and win and i i felt i still feel that you know uh brownstown will i mean it shows look you got ray gotzi you got russ petro you got randy petro don o'neill john gill all these great 
late model drivers that came from that racetrack and you know steve Bar- jim curry the list goes on and on and and them guys honed their talent at brownstown you know that's where they they got their start that's where they got to winning races and and it and it showed out on the road when they got to traveling that brownstown is tough you know and that's what it was down at bloomquist shop that's what he said you know he he came to brownstown like the first six times and it took him like four times to make a race there you know so that brownstown is a is a premier track in indiana and it's one of the toughest places to win at in my opinion you know i've been to about all of them and brownstown's one of the toughest you mentioned that about all them guys that race there i remember when i was 12 we went to Volusia county and uh, the feature rolls out on the front row was was ray Gotzi and russ petro absolutely I don't know, we traveled a thousand miles away from home and i see the same two guys <laughs> i watch at brownstown you know at Volusia county so that that was amazing to me i guarantee it like you know and, and i always tell everybody i'm I, i'm a racing historian man I, I love old stuff like that you know ray comes out to the shop all the time and i, I pick his brain on old stories and the same with russ you know the, the, them guys they they grew up racing at brownstown and you know that's like uh randy he he grew up there watching his dad at brownstown and, and it showed he he's a great race car driver in his own right so oh yeah that's definite yeah brownstown is just a a, a I think it's just a, they had a, just a bunch of good racers at the time, and, and they all pushed each other to be better, you know, and it's a tough place to get around. Now, when you was racing the national championship, I mean, you was obviously at Brownstown every Saturday. Where else did you race, you know, to accumulate the points for the national championship? It's funny. Uh, me and my grandpa was talking about that today. We said, man, if we were still racing for them national points, we would we would be racing somewhere right now. You know, we would be at Clarksville if they was racing or somewhere, but – you know a lot of times we we would have we would hit somewhere on friday night whether that would be gas city or moeller or bloomington or or whitewater we'd go there and then we'd uh, brownstown on saturdays because they was getting max bonus points that's what you was wanting when you was racing for ump national points and then we'd pick up a sunday track we'd go to we went to owensboro kentucky a lot we went to kokomo a lot just anywhere that was racing you know hell we would race 80 to 90 times a year and and now i'm i'm back to about 50 to 60 which it shows you know i i'm, I'm missing racing that much because when you're in the seat night in and night out every night it, it just you, you get better and uh but racing for them national points is is not easy man you got guys like mike harrison out in illinois mm-hmm. and at the time you had denny schwartz jeff leka gary cook them guys are tough and uh brownstown definitely helped me because i was good there and they got max bonus points and that's that's what you needed to do to to win that deal and for those listening the max bonus points is the attendance of that class right i mean if you have a small class then you don't get all the points that you could get right the the, the points was 25 uh 25 to 30 cars there was a, a a max bonus points of five you you got 75 points if they had 25 cars or less and then 25 to 30 you would get five five bonus points and at the end of the year them five bonus points each night's uh, added up it's kind of like playoff points in right. nascar now for the stages and stuff that's kind of like what it was and if you got max, the goal was to win 30 features with max bonus points because they took your best 30 races and brownstown gave us that every week you know you'd have 30 30 cars and you the goal was to go win there every week to get the max points i remember your modified days at, at brownstown man it's when the racetrack put the bounty on you you know, if yeah. anybody beat you, they got a bonus if if they got that run Devin Gilpin in the modifieds. Yeah, yeah, that was that was crazy there too. Uh, we <laughs> what's that like to to know that that you you've had so much success that now they're putting a bounty on you to to beat you? It's humbling. It really is. You know, to to be you know, a lot of people just think I'm just this rich kid that that just Papaw pays the bills and I just go drive. Well, 
like I told you, me and him was in the garage at 12 building a Mustang too. And I started out in mini stocks. I raced mini stocks for two years and then went to modifieds and it was a grind to get there. And then, uh, to be able to win all them races, I, I, cause I grew up watching my dad, Randy Petro would run out, him every week. You know, I hated that guy at a, at a, at a time. I'm like, man, I'm a, why I want my dad to win. And, and, uh, for me to be able to have the success that i've had with my grandpa like i said a lot of a lot of kids don't get to experience that you know every went a million miles with that guy racing and that that's just you know moments i'll cherish for the rest of my life and uh you know i couldn't just be more thankful to have that guy in my life and have him as my crew chief <laughs> like like i said you're only as good as your car and 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 he's the reason for all this i was going to say that you know, when it's all said and done and you hang your helmet up for the last time, all your memories with your grandpa is going to be way more important and valuable than any of those trophies or checks that you ever got, man. And, and uh, you know, I ran with my grandpa when I was young, and I'm going to be in, in full agreement with you that, that that's that's awesome that you had a grandpa with a connection like that that would go with you and help you like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, man, I've said it time and time. I just got lucky that he was – he was younger when I when I came around to do this, you know, and he had the same passion I had, and and he worked his whole life at Cummins to to build this. He retired at forty eight years old from Cummins. He he was a young man when he retired, and he started that shop just to compensate for me and him to go racing. He had a plan bef- before I even knew the plan, and uh, <laughs> and like I said, without him, I I wouldn't be here today. It's well, awesome to have guys like that on your side, though, that make plans before you even knew there was a plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he had a plan in place, and and. For it to work out the way it has thus far, it's just been a whirlwind. And I want to pull you back to something you said earlier when you said a lot of people think you're just a rich kid that Papa pays for this and you get to do it. I'm just going to, and I'm, I'm not calling you out in any way on this, but I'm just going to talk about you just showed up to our podcast. <laughs> You've been at the race shop today. Your hands aren't clean. Your jeans aren't clean. And that's not a knock whatsoever. I just want people to know that you're not a guy who just shows up on Saturday night to get in the the car and and wheel. You know, it's very apparent that you're not a rich kid that just got a ride. You're putting the time and the effort in and the work. So not to embarrass you or call you out, but I wanted to make that point because I do think you kind of get that stigma at times. And you walked in right now, and you've been at the race shop all day working. It's apparent. Yeah, me and Grandpa, uh, we've been working on a modified all all day today. Uh, If – if we don't get to do anything Friday, we're going to take a modified to Bloomington and go have some fun. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big firm believer that, you know, I, I need to be in that shop underneath that thing, uh, checking and bolt checking maintenance just on top of my game. Because if I, if I'm not doing that, then somebody else is, and, and they're going to be better than me. So that's why I try to put a big emphasis on, on being there and being accountable and, and, and just being there for my guys, you know, at Beeman's place, you know, my, my main man, Kurt, he does a great job, and I, I like to be there to support him and, and be there to help him. And, and just, you know, we're always learning, too. The, the, this sport is always changing. Everybody's always innovating, trying to get faster, and, and always coming up with new technology. And, you know, I want to stay on top of that, and, and that's that's where we're at today. Uh, and plus, like I said, you know, I, I get to hang out with my grandpa every day and work on race cars, so I couldn't get much better than that. Absolutely. When you, uh, when you jumped up to the super late models, what was the biggest – learning curve and i and i'm i know you started out with pretty good success so it might not be a bunch of a curve but going from the modified to the late model what was the biggest uh, change probably just uh the setup because everybody in that division's fast and everybody's uh top notch and got top notch equipment and good 
you just have to have to hit your, your setup every night in the modifieds you can kind of maybe out 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 drive them guys sometimes or or overdrive the the car if, if it ain't right you can you can maintain or or compensate a little bit if your car is not exactly uh, handling the way you need it to be and then the late models that's just not the case because if you're off a little bit it'll show because them other guys that drive away from you and i, I think that was the biggest trans transition for me is just figuring out what that late model needed versus the modified because they, they didn't like the same things and that that was probably the hardest part for us is just figuring out what i needed and what i liked for that car versus a modified because i'd got so i guess maybe so used to a modified racing them for so long that I, I i didn't know what i needed at first and then once we got racing we, you know we we established a notebook and and got better can you can you drive the same line and, and attack the corner the same or did you have to like totally relearn the the track when you went to the light yeah, the lines are the lines are pretty well the same it's just uh the the tire the tire and the brakes is is what i always tell everybody is, is the biggest difference is because the modifieds on a real skinny tire you have uh, virtually almost the same horsepower and the brakes are the brakes on a modified are absolutely horrible compared <laughs> to a late model i mean that that was the biggest deal was the brakes and the tires i mean you can just drive the heck out of them late models and it seems like the harder you drive them the the faster and the better the more they like it and the modifieds you can kind of back the corner up and be a little easier and you can't drive it in as hard because the tires just won't withstand it and i think that was the biggest difference for me was just the brakes and the tires and the rack and pinion steering's huge too versus versus modified just there's a lot of differences i mean at the end of the day it's still a race car with four wheels and tires and a steering wheel but there is definitely a, a big difference in the two when you when you do a saturday night when you race both and i've seen you win in both of them in the same night does it take you a lap or two to say, okay, I'm in the modified, and then you, when you jump in the super, like, okay, now I'm back in the super late model, it'll take you a lap or two to... Absolutely, and it's more so versus going from the late model to the modified. You know, I, I can go from the modified to the late model and, and not have much not have much trouble, but it seems like when I would go from the late model to the mod, it would take me a lap or two to, to get adjusted to the brakes and get adjusted to backing my entry up on, a, on corner entry to slow down and and because if you don't you'll just flat run over the guy in front of you because the car don't stop and it and it don't uh don't turn as well and but you you definitely got to be on your toes uh because it, and, it, and it'll take you a lap or two and and, and that's fun to me you know I, I like the challenge and the competition of it and and trying to be versatile you know hell i want to i want to i want to race them all i want to win in them all and race them all so because i know you know there's a couple nights at, at brownstown last year we ran out of things to talk about because you know i'd go down and interview in the modified and then we'd turn around for the super and you know, he was right there again, you know, so he was like, well, we just talked. So, you know, let's try this again. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, that's pretty cool to be able to do that and, and win in, in both classes. You know, I, I never thought I would have the opportunity to even race both cars in one night and, and to be able to win in both of them, you know, that that's pretty cool. And, and something that, I, that I'm pretty proud of. That's, I mean, that's anybody would be proud of that. I mean, that's awesome. Even, you know, me as a race fan, that was great to see a guy be able to, to be that successful in two different classes at the same time. When we look at, and I know we've already we've already hit it a little bit, you know, the goal this year obviously to win the Luke, win a Lucas race. What else? What what are we looking for this season to really go out and accomplish? We wanna we wanna be consistent with uh, with the national guys night in and night out. Once we get going here, I, I want to be able to. I want them to. I like I said, I want them guys to know that that when we roll there, we roll to the lineup shoot that we're we're somebody that they got to deal with and. Uh, you know that's not no easy task these days you know they the best of the best run that lucas deal and world of outlaw deal but 
it's doable you know i, I we we've showed that we we have we have a chance and you know it's it's not going to be easy but for us this year if we could if we could win races and and you know keep the fenders on it not tear anything up and, and have fun you know i think i think that's a the, a big part of it and i think past couple of years i'd kind of lost some insight on that of just not having fun you know I'm, i was having fun but not as much fun as i probably think i should have and that, that's what i'm wanting to i'm going to put a big focus on that this year is to just try to have fun and and remember why i'm doing this you know and I, uh just win races and that, that at the end of the day if you win races that everybody's happy and, and it'll take care of itself and I'll, I'll be honest i i don't know how the last couple of years have been for you but what i hear in your voice right now is when you start talking about your grandpa and being in the shop with him and these opportunities that that twinkle for lack of a better word is back i mean you 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 remember and and the love i don't know that you ever lost that but that passion that love is really in your voice as you talk about this it's back uh you know but it's different when you do this for a living you know because you know you got to go the payout you got to go the payout window if you don't it's gonna be a dismal week and you're gonna go hungry probably if grandpa wasn't around or blondies wasn't there (laughs) we'd go hungry but you got you got to run good you know when you do this for a living it's it's business and and i think that's what took a little bit of the fun out of it for me because i knew i had to run good you know that's a a little bit of added pressure for you but this year i've I've stepped back and and kind of took a look at it and, and just thought about why i'm doing this and why i fell in love with it as a kid and you know when i when i first started why i loved it and uh you know that's i'm putting a big emphasis and and my guys are too we're just wanting to have fun and 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 try to do the best we can night in and night out and 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 be prepared you know and i I think we got a real good shot at that this year we we, we've been in the shop all winter itching to go race now but you know hopefully everything can hopefully we can have a good 2018 this year now you took off in to florida and race at Lucy county the modified have you been out in the super late model yet this year we we practiced at brownstown on the practice uh, the opening practice there and then we went to north fernand on a sunday i don't know probably a month month or so ago and practice but other than that not since florida no we haven't did any racing just practiced not even in the modified so florida and then you you you've been done since you went to Florida. what was that in january or february uh, at the end of january yeah. beginning of february we ran four nights down there at east bay and and uh then since we've been back here like i said all we've all we've done is practice this, this darn weather won't cooperate I with know. us here snow or rain <laughs> I, i've never seen anything like it it's crazy it's, it's funny matt botnick was out the shop this week and and i, I kind of agree with him he was saying it, it's like uh the 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 weather has trend it's like we need to go a month back you know yeah. it's, it's like we're actually in march right now you know and, and it seems like fall just keeps pushing on you know it it doesn't get cold as soon as it used to back in the day it seems and it doesn't the spring doesn't come until later now so i would agree with that because december when i was a kid i remember december being i think i'm going to get a snow day now it seems like december is i'm looking at some of these 60 degree days that are out of character and then january february march april are the bad times so it's like it's like winter has shifted a little it's bit. like we need a 13 month year and push one back you know that's that's the way that's what me and matt was talking about that's the way it seems and just hopefully it cooperates and gets better surely it's got too sooner than later here be careful talking about that we'll have day or instead of daylight savings time we'll have like month savings time and <laughs> they'll be rolling us back a month and jumping us forward a month so <laughs> you get the politicians involved they'll find some way to screw it up I'm absolutely sure. <laughs> let's uh, let's bring up uh 
your accident there at Brownstown last year, man. I know uh, what last year was the first time you got upside down in a car, right? The, the week before your your bad accident, yeah, two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, you, you get upside down one week, and we come back out and go into turn one, and you get upside down again, and yeah, had to spend a night in the hospital. Or did you spend the night or just a few hours? No, ago? we spent the night uh, just doing observations. Uh, you know, at the time, I hadn't really told a lot of people that I was a hemophiliac. A lot of people didn't know that. And while I was conked out in the bed, uh, Todd Turner at Dirt on Dirt uh, contacted my sister to check on how I was doing and all that. And uh, she told him, you know, hey, he's a hemophiliac, and that was the op- that's why I went. And uh, they was, you know, it was a pretty serious deal with all the observations, just to make sure my head wasn't bleeding, I didn't have no brain swelling and all that. But that was definitely scary. Just just glad we we overcame that, and you know, luckily we wasn't seriously injured or anything. Uh, thankfully for all the you know the safety and the hans and the full containment seats and just uh all the chassis manufacturers really putting a big emphasis on uh, making these cars really safe and th- that was a night that pretty much that wrecked the, the bloomquist sweet car that you had there didn't it well i actually had yeah, i actually have two i had two of them the the one wasn't done but yeah that, it, it pretty much killed that thing we actually got it fixed now but yeah just luckily it held up man it was a scary deal and you know luckily we're okay after that i mean that just goes to uh we got to give a shout out to the quality of, of all the chassis builders really yeah i don't think you know all the major you know super late model chassis builders i don't think none of them build you know bad equipment some of them you know are quicker than others but i think they all build a good quality piece and safety you know for the driver you know it seems like yeah absolutely and luke Sewell and, and world of outlaws is, is doing a great job on that and they're putting a big emphasis on on safety which which it's great they should and uh you know uh, this this racing isn't worth losing your life over That's for sure and uh and uh lucas is doing a good job you know they've implemented the the fuel cell deal it's got to be certified and then after august you got to have a certified seat and the the door plate on the left side and there's just so much stuff that that lucas is is looking at and realizing that hey we we're trying to make these cars as safe as possible and it shows you know i i don't think i could have took a nastier wreck than i took and and you know everything held up really well so just thankful that you know these series and the sanctioning bodies are doing that for us guys and, and making us follow these rules to to you know to keep us safe and i'm glad to hear you say that because i think sometimes that can be a catch-22 for a series as well because all the things you're talking about also makes that financial burden on you guys as a driver a little bit tougher because you got to replace you got to you got to change things you got to put in anything else but i really appreciate you talking about the fact that the whole desire behind it is to keep you guys safe because you're exactly right. It's not worth losing anybody's life over. We've dealt with those tragedies, and we don't want to see it in the sport again. But even lesser than that, we don't want to see you out for three or four months. If I'm coming to Brownstown on a Saturday night, I want to see Devin Gilpin race. And I don't want to see you laid up in the hospital or something like that. So I appreciate you applauding those series with that because I know that's a tough thing for them to make a decision on because it is. It's a financial burden to you guys. It is. It's it's an expense, and, and that, that's no doubt. You know, my, my grandpa grumbles a little bit w- w- when he hears how much a new seat's going to cost and all that. But it, at the end of the day, it's just all about safety and, and keeping each and every one of us safe. And, and like I said, uh, I could easily – but you know that that wreck i took could have could have ended my career and uh luckily you know i had hans on and i had a, a top notch uh the full containment seat and just i i really think if i didn't have none of that stuff it could have been a lot worse than it was and uh you know i like i said i do applaud all these uh series lucas and world of outlaws and and all these people for implementing that just to just to keep us safe and uh, i i don't think there's a uh, 
there ain't a dollar you can put on somebody's life or or you know or any significant injury that could put you out forever so i you know like i said i applaud them guys but you know i think the sad thing with our sport you know actually probably all sports is every time we've made a safety upgrade it's been at somebody's career or somebody's life you know every time we realize okay we need to change this it's because somebody somewhere got seriously injured or you know Uh, and that's you know from from go-karts all the way to nascar is every time we've made a, a, a big increase in safety, you would like that you brought up the door plate. You know, when Shane Unger got killed over there at Eldora, they all realized, you know, we need a door plate in there. Nobody thought about that until that happened. That's like the Charlie Floyd deal at, at uh, over to Ohio. And, yes. uh, you know, they, they implemented the, the fire suppression system. The fire system. suppression, yeah. So, you know, all that stuff's great. And uh, we need that. You know, and that, that's like Dell Earnhardt's accident in 2001. And, you know, Safer Barrier Walls, uh, the Hans device, Hans device came about just all that stuff and you haven't had a death in nascar since so yes you know it's unfortunate that it takes something like that to happen to open our eyes to to change things but you know i think nowadays we got a pretty good hold on it you know you you can't whatever the lord's got in place for you is going to happen regardless whether uh you know whatever safety rules you imply or whatever if if it's your time i I believe it's your time but you know i think lucas and all these people are, are realizing that hey we we just want to we want to try to make this as safe as possible you know racing's dangerous everybody knows that it always has been but uh they're doing the right things and and taking the right going in the right direction to to make this as safe as possible well you know steve barnett wrecked in the same you know corner you did at brownstown and he had the old style seat and he spent several days in the hospital broke his back yeah broke his back and you know he he's retired from the sport you with your full containment seat, you know, you took a hard spill, spent an evening in the hospital, but you're right back in the seat. So that just shows that that safety equipment, is, you know, is well worth the money. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no other way of putting it. You know, uh, I, that that could easily uh, ended my career. And I really think if I didn't have that, the Hans in the, in the seat, you know, it very well could have. I have I have to totally agree with you on that. And I think a lot of it is is the attitudes of you younger drivers and, and not attacking any of the older guys, but – I think in a lot of that stuff, it became kind of a situation of, you know, you can't teach a new dog or an old dog new tricks in the idea that racing has always had a toughness about it. I mean, that's, you know, you, you wrench on your car, you drive your car, you're, you're tough nose, you don't take any crap. And I think when the safety stuff started coming in, a lot of guys were kind of like, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm not jumping in on that. It's it's going to change the way I drive. So I think you younger guys being able to, you know, kind of roll with it and see it and be at least willing to try it and say, hey, it may be an adjustment, but it's an adjustment that's going to help me. And, and guys like you telling your story and saying, hey, I don't know that I'd still be able to do this if I didn't have this equipment only continues to build that and make the sport safer so that it can continue. Yeah. You look back, though, at – you know, the old pictures at Brownstown, you know, the guys in the open face helmets and the oh handkerchief gosh. around their face and, you know, a, a seat with springs in it and a short sleeve shirt and penny loafers. You wouldn't think about just the outlaws, like man. Oh, yeah. Outlaws. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're crazy. I couldn't imagine, you know, uh, you know, they tell these stories. They would take 55 gallon barrels and cut their seat out. And just it's just crazy to think that they did that. But I, I guess they didn't know no better and that they didn't have enough money to buy it. And they want to go race, you know, and and. and that's uh, we came a long way and, and i'm just thankful for that because uh you know i think uh the the, the equipment and the safety stuff you know a lot of people uh, when the hans came out you know a lot of people didn't like it and i'll be honest i didn't like it it was uncomfortable and it hurt your shoulders but uh the more you know you see these accidents these sprint car guys that take these crazy rides and walk away 
get to scratching your head and thinking, man, I better wear this because if I don't, that could be me and maybe I might not walk away. So that's why I just, and Lucas implements that. You got to run it. So you might as well just get used to it and like it, I reckon, you know. Do you notice the Hans device now that you've worked for a while? I mean, is it, it's just part of it now? Not at all. It's just it's just part of it now. You know, that's just normal routine. You don't even, I can't tell it. But I could see where a guy that's raced, you know, take a Steve Barnett that has never wore one and he's raced for 30 years and then they tell him he's got to wear it. He, he probably hates the thing. It's probably oh, yeah. uncomfortable and he's just not used to it. But, you know, anything and everything you can do to make it safer, I'm all for. Well, and I think the point you just made, when you look back on it and you talk about going from – open-faced helmets to the restrictions that we're asking for this today that is a huge adjustment and and i think sometimes yes you're talking about several several years ago but i mean earnhardt wasn't that many years ago he was still running an open-faced helmet in nascar i mean and a spring seat yeah i mean so sometimes i think we forget just how close some of this stuff is and it is a huge transition and i agree for for an older guy that's raced the same way all the time you you want and you just talked about earlier the the struggle going from late model to back to modified to race the same way forever and then say hey we're gonna put all this stuff around you and we're gonna make you tighter and you're gonna have this stuff on your shoulders and a closed face helmet all of a sudden that's a huge change to the way you drive i mean absolutely you know uh, take a guy that just had a standard seat forever and then they gets a full containment seat and then he's complaining of his visibility and he can't see out of the car and and it just it, it takes some uh, some adapting to and and some time and you know a lot of guys you know some people don't like change and 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 aren't accustomed to it but man i you know i like i said i just put a big emphasis on safety and, and especially after my accident you know before that I, I probably didn't put much thought into it and didn't think about it a whole lot but after that you know like i said i'm all about it and i'm all about safety and 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 making the sport as safe as we can i don't want to bring up a bad memory um but i do want to i do want to ask you a question about you just talked about you could taste that jackson 100 last year and what i want to ask is i come from a total race fan perspective and i think as any race fan we sit in those bleachers on saturday night or we watch that race on sunday and the thing we truly want to do is imagine what it's like to be sitting in that seat behind that wheel. Um, it's why we all love listening to the NASCAR scanners. We want to we want to live through you guys as much as we can. When you're in that position there at the Jackson, what's going through your head? What's the feeling like? What's your what's your adrenaline like? What are you What are you going through? Uh, man, to roll off to win a heat and roll off you know i've grown up watching that race my entire life you know and uh besides the history there besides the world 100 that's that's the one i want to win just because it's brownstown and it means a lot to me and and so to start p4 and you got 20 guys getting introduced before me and i'm up there with scott bloomquist and you know me and huddy and and scott and all of us up front just to be up there with them guys and, and have a shot at that that's that's almost a dream come true for me you know i never thought i would get there and then to to have that chance and to have, to know I had that opportunity, you know, it, it sucks and it's unfortunate that we we lost a motor there. But you know, there's there's always going to be another Jackson 100, and that's what keeps us digging for keeps us digging and keep it going for the next year. And you know, uh, it's something that that that's a memory I'll I'll cherish forever. And knowing that I you know I was up there with them guys, you know, it, it stinks that we didn't couldn't finish. But uh, you know, the Jackson 100 means a lot to me, and, and Brownstown Speedway does so hopefully we can uh, redeem ourselves this year you, you've been racing a long time and this might not even you know affect you but is there any time when you race the lucas oil that you know you look 
to the inside or outside of you and you're like holy cow i'm racing door to door with you know whoever you know you kind of get starstruck over is it does that still happen or is he just a competitor uh he they're competitors now but definitely when i first made my first lucas race and it was out and never forget it, we was at florence and it was the ralph latham and i started like sixth and i look over and there's jimmy owens and davenport and bloomquist and i thought man this is just awesome you know i never dreamed that i would do this and to have the opportunity to, to be there and do it it was just surreal for me and uh now they're just competitors you know I, i've been able to talk to a lot of them become friends with a lot of them and you know you know i'm sure jimmy owens felt the same way we had similar career paths oh, i don't yeah. i don't think he grew he didn't grow up in some flamboyant rich family he earned it and, and worked for everything he had winning modified national championships and then making the transition to late models and having you know a lot of success and so i, I you know i i try to look at him and, and see how humble he stayed and and uh you know just appreciate everything because you, you never know man and the way it is and the way the sport is you never know how what what's going to happen so i just try to you know stay appreciative and thankful and for uh for the opportunities that my grandpa and beamans gave me because without them guys i wouldn't even be able to talk about racing lucas oil so you know it's just uh it's a pretty cool deal well, I, I think you're right about jimmy because uh correct me if i'm wrong but i think when he raced the modified and they called him the grave digger that wasn't just a nickname i think that's what he did for a living one didn't he dig he might have he might have i i i I really can't say on that but i i do know that he i'm about 100 percent positive he he was a working man and and worked you know had a regular job and and still raced and and worked his way up to where he is now and you know that that's just hope that that just shows there's hope for you know other people yeah anybody can do this if they want it bad enough you know if you if you work hard and blood sweat and tears and and want it bad enough it's possible who are some of those? I know you talked about your dad and your grandfather growing up. Who are some of those other heroes in the racing world that you grew up that, whether it's whether it came from NASCAR or IndyCar or, or the dirt track, who were those guys that you wanted to, to emulate? Uh, NASCAR, Tony Stewart. Just because Columbus, Indiana, wasn't a rich kid, earned it, worked for it, slept in his truck, would race anything, anywhere, anytime show up with a racing suit and a helmet at the track and just ask somebody let me have your car yeah and he would you know he would walk around the pit area saying hey let me drive that because i can drive it better than you you know i'll I'll win if you put me in it. absolutely you know and and he he worked and and he made it through blood sweat and tears and uh on the dirt side it'd have to been i was a huge john gill fan as a kid you know if i could have caught a frisbee at the jackson 100 that john gill signed i would just been tickled but i was a big john gill fan and, and tony stewart very cool very cool those are both i mean great ones to you know to uh because there was a time man i can remember you know late 80s early 90s john gill was the man at brownstown speedway you know if that black 75 showed up you might as well go ahead and cut the check yeah the the modern day cowboy was tough at brownstown man he he, he'd won a bunch of races shame he never got a world 100 he was close he was close a lot of times and uh you know i always pulled for him over del Dora. but yeah john gill was i was a big modern day cowboy fan and and the same with don o'neill i really really uh really looked up to don o'neill as a kid too and you know you brought up the competition at brownstown i can remember sitting at eldora you know for the world 100 and you would see steve barnett and you know john gill and and don o'neill you know jeff wilson in there a time or two and it's mark barber i'll I'll never forget the time i was at eldora sitting in turn one with my parents and uh curry led that thing for like 50 laps he was in the blackwell car i think he might have just came off the jackson win in 03 and he led that thing because you know no one from indiana has ever won the world 100 and uh i was pulling for him and i think he blew a motor on like lap 50 or something but yeah you know that's 
That's crazy. The Brownstown and, and this area has produced a lot of good oh, racers. Yeah. And we, we talked about that on a previous episode that we might be spoiled around here that what we go watch on an every Saturday night thing is like superstars if you go to any other racetrack. You know, it's just, you know, you included, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, these guys are locals, you know, every every week racers. And when you guys go somewhere else, we're like, my God, these are superstars. And that's, you know? that's the thing. I'm I'm not just a race car driver. I'm a race fan, too. And I and we're definitely spoiled. I've been to places where I look around. I'm thinking, man, we, we got it good. You know, we, we got a good facility. We got a good racetrack. And we got a bunch of good drivers. And then you go to these other places and whatever it may be, it just it seems like it it's, it's doesn't have that feel. You know, Brownstown has always had that feel for me that it's, you know, we got a bunch of good guys here. And, and it's just not just some normal local dirt track to me anyway i guess maybe just because i grew up around it but it's definitely produced some of the best late model drivers it's hollow ground of dirt late model racing i think i mean that is you know eldor is i guess is the temple of it but i think brownstown speedway is definitely at least in the top five of of dirt late model racing i mean you'd think uh, michael i mean the owner dirt on dirt he he's like like he said he as a kid he remembers coming to brownstown to watch the jackson 100 as one of his favorite racetracks and he probably knows more about dirt late model racing than anybody oh, so yeah and i think that i think that in a way that kind of hampers the growth of that sport in this area and i know that sounds counter you know productive or counterintuitive because the idea is i think some people exactly what you just said think Oh, these are just local guys. I don't think people realize the names that show up at Brownstown Speedway on a Saturday night to race. These are guys that you will hear their names later on, um, including yourself, at major series and continuing to move up these ranks. So, again, I know we've said on this podcast several times, if you've never come out to the track, come out and watch a race and, and, and write down some names and then go and look up what these guys are doing and who they're racing against and the and the talent that they have because every Saturday night at Brownstown there's an extreme talent pool. And the thing about it is, what is a a, a couple with two kids going to do on a Saturday night that's any cheaper? I mean, are you, you take your family to a movies and add the total bill up or go here, or go there. I don't think you're going to do anything and get the entertainment and the action for your for the bang for your buck. You know, yeah, under twelve is free. Yeah, you know, kids get in free, yeah, and, and if you're under twelve, you're, as long as you don't go to the, you know, everybody's got to pay to the pits. But if you stay on the grandstand side, you know, if you're twelve and under, you're free. And I'll be honest, and I've said this on a previous episode as well. We took my son last year for the first time as a three year old, and and he went to the double feature with the No Way Out, and and for for parents who may think ah, I don't know if I can take him, take them because he learned his green, yellow, and red what they meant looking at the stoplights at the track. I've never seen a kid more excited to watch cars. Now, he chose every driver based on his favorite colors. He wanted a yellow car, uh, well, that'd be, that'd be which, good for you. Yeah, which worked yeah, well for, yeah. for you when you were on the track. But he, uh, but the passion already, I mean, because it is exciting. And, and I, I think sometimes people think you have to understand everything that's going on. For my son, it didn't matter. He just wanted to see cars go fast, and he loved it more than anything. You know, we when we usually go – um we sit there and turn one and two there at brownstown and and for him to see those guys come you guys come off and wave to him at three and a half years old every driver who rolled off was waving at him that it, it you couldn't convince him otherwise 
It was that you guys knew him and were waving at him. I put a big emphasis on that because I was that three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old in the stands waving at John Gill back in the day. You know, and I always try to try to be good to the kids. That's what I always tell everybody. I said, you know, these, these older people my age and older might not like me or, or dislike me, but by golly, surely one of these days all these kids are going to like me because I've always been good to the kids and I always try to give back to them and and uh, let them know uh, that I appreciate them being there and, and, and let their parents know I appreciate them bringing them because without the support of the fans, we don't get it. You know, I don't have a job. You know, these, you've seen it across the, the, the United States now. A lot of these racetracks are closing down. And uh, without the support of the fans and the parents bringing the kids to keep this deal going, we wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a job. Well, I mean, you're young enough that uh, one of these days you're going to roll on the racetrack, and that kid that you waved at is going to bring kids of his own, and he, you know, he's going to remember. You know, Devin Gilpin waved at me, and you know, and then he's going to be telling his kids. So, I mean, that's the thing that you got to remember: these kids are going to grow up and bring families of their own to the racetrack. It's definitely a generational deal. You yeah. know, that's why I said. Uh, that the, the racing's a big family thing you know and then and it seems like uh it seems like it, it lost touch with that a little bit i don't know the rhyme or reason but uh i would definitely like to see more people coming and uh, I, I don't know what we need to do i don't know what the answer is but uh i would like to see more people coming and and, and supporting because uh I, we definitely need it I, I know one thing you know when i was a kid it seemed like there was a whole lot more of hanging around after the races and we didn't ever go to the pits until after the race was over but you know we would you know walk through the gate on the front stretch at brownstown and walk down the lineup shooting and we take the lap around and we got to see the drivers and i you know i got to get up close to them and you know smell you know smell the hot engine and the tires and it seems like now i mean and i'm sure you guys are wore out but people are loading up and gone a lot to where that interaction the fans can have that don't want to pay the extra for the pits that's gone because you know by the time they're allowed to get over there you know most of you guys are loaded up and gone and and i understand you're wore out you know you, you've raced and sweated all night but to me when i was a kid that was what i looked forward to was i got to get close to them guys and get close to those machines and, and stuff like that yeah i, I agree and I, I don't i don't know why that is and I, I agree with you and i was a kid sitting up in the stands with my mom i couldn't wait till it was over to go down and check you know walk by my favorite guy's pit and hopefully he's out there and i can yeah. go get him to sign something or something yeah i don't know why that is but uh, you know, we could probably do. All of us could probably do a better job of that, and uh, you know, stick around a little longer. Um, you know, anything to 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 make a kid's day. You know, I love that. You know, I've I've been adamant about giving my trophies away to a kid. You know, every weekend if I win at Bloomington, I'll walk in the stands and give it away, or at Brownstown, I'll, I'll give the check to a kid or something because they remember that forever. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud that I could do that for them. That that's good. That I mean, you're finding your way to give back. And, uh, you know, that that's awesome because I, you brought up giving away stuff from when I was a kid and, you know, Rayburn was still going and racing and he had the old big semi. I got handed a license plate. You know, he gave those CJ Rayburn license plates out. And if you go in my garage right now, it's hanging on the wall in my garage. You gave it's, a million of them away, oh, yeah, man. Those it, used to be on the front of every Chevrolet pickup truck you'd pass. <laughs> you know, and it's, I've never put it on a vehicle because that was important to me yeah. that, that he gave that to me. Absolutely. You know, so that stuff given away is is you know you cherish that forever yeah if if like i said if i could just a john gill frisbee let alone him giving me a trophy <laughs> so you know I, I absolutely i really enjoy being able to see a kid smile when i give him a trophy because they're going to remember that forever and they're oh, yeah. going to keep it you know yeah. and, and they're always going to remember that i i did that for him so i'm really proud that i do that and and i just want to say i think that's awesome and and i i don't want to put words in your mouth you can correct me if i'm wrong but if if i was asking you what you wanted your legacy to be 
I would think it's the same thing you just did for guys like John Gill and Don O'Neill and Tony Stewart and all the guys you've talked about. I would think the most the, the greatest thing you could have is one of those kids you handed a trophy to to be in a modified or in a late model 10 to 15 years from now and sitting on a show or sitting wherever and saying, you know what, it was Devin Gilpin walked in the stands and handed me a trophy and gave me that time, and all I wanted to do after that moment was get in the dirt late model and, and go race. That the proudest moment you could have, you know. I mean, that that's what it's all about for me. You know, I want to win races and, and make a living doing this, but I want to give back too. I, I want to be the reason that, you know, a kid – nagging on his dad to take him the, the next saturday so he could come watch me race because he he knows he might have a shot of getting that trophy that he knows i might give it away give it to him and then you know i couldn't be more proud to do that for kids because like i said to see kids smile when i give him that trophy uh, there ain't nothing else like it knowing i i made that kid's day and he's gonna wear his dad out the whole <laughs> way home wanting to come back oh yeah and, and thank you as a fan thank you because yes. that's what not only the kid but i'm gonna say this from a different standpoint because i grew up a race fan my wife did not my wife is more than happy to go with me but when she sees things like that go on that's what makes her want to come back to the racetrack as well because it's not just loud motors and you know competition when she starts to see the family connection and she has and this podcast has helped as well for her but that's what makes the wife say take him to go see that race again so as a race fan i appreciate those things but then it also helps the sport because that kid's going to go to school on monday and say <laughs> devin gilpin gave me this trophy well then his three best buddies are going to be hounding their dad i want to go to the racetrack it's a trickle you down know? effect oh yeah. you know uh, it, it, one kid is going to get that and like i said he's going to go to school and be so pumped up and amped up to tell oh, yeah. his buddies then they're going to go home and tell their mom and dad hey we need to go check this out because my, my buddy at school got a trophy given to him so and like I said, I, I'm I'm glad I get to do that, and and just thankfully enough that that I I got my grandpa there to give me a fast enough race car to be able to win these races to to give that trophy to a kid. Devin, I also want to throw out you know kind of transition here a little bit. You talked about your sponsors, obviously you talked about your family. Are there some other guys that that help you through the week, and you know that you'd like to give some thanks to here? Well. I never had a, a hired paid crew guy until uh until I went with Beeman and uh his actually it's Beeman's brother in law, Kurt Gerald. And uh just a quick little deal on him. I I found a best friend there. You know, he's he's my brother for life now and uh me and him are, are not he's not just my crew chief or, or my or my crew guy or any of that. He he's my best friend and my, my brother now and uh without him I you know, I'd be lost without him now and uh, you know, I just love him to death and so thankful for everything he does for me, bust his butt. Uh, night in and night out just uh he's got the same passion i do and he, he's wanting to win and uh, you know that's what it's all about and uh without him man I, you know, he it wouldn't be near as fun i can tell you he's been a lifetime at a racetrack too i mean yeah he, yeah you, you, you know gerald he, oh, he's yeah. actually him and beeman's did this forever and, yeah. and, and kurt works his butt off and you know i, I really enjoy having him around me and him had a lot of fun together awesome awesome so again we go into the uh hopefully we go into the icebreaker this weekend um who are you who you think your biggest competition is going to be at the icebreaker i understand 100 percent's lucas show who you think is going to be the competition you gotta gotta deal with well for looking at numbers we probably got to go with scott scott's pretty dominant at brownstown mm -hmm. but you know man it's wide open uh 
a lot of it is uh, what's the racetrack going to be if you draw in the back of group a you know or you draw in the back of group b qualifying's huge i mean mm -hmm. you you can't handicap yourself uh in a heat race you got to qualify up front and start up front and uh win a heat and then try to be up front of the of the a main to even have a shot but uh you know, hopefully the 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 weather will uh, cooperate with us this weekend, and and we can uh, we can go racing. I'm hoping so. You know, it's a, I mean, any night at the racetrack is a great night, but I mean, you know, when you guys and and all the Lucas Oil guys show up, I mean, it's a, just extra special because that that place just takes a life of its own. It seems like when Lucas Oil you know shows up, and man, all them and all them Lucas races, they do good as far as. Uh, getting people in the stands everybody wants to come out and see scott and jimmy and davenport and mccready and all them guys so and you know and and it makes a promoter's year you know and and we know everybody knows uh you know a guy don't want to go up there and work for nothing you know a guy's got to make money and oh, yeah. and, and you know th this icebreaker can extend uh him through the promoter through the season so uh, you know I, I really hope we get it in this weekend and he has a good turnout and a good crowd because you know, I, I want to see everybody be successful and, and, you know, have a good weekend. And just like I said, just hopefully Mother Nature works with us. I, I know the, the forecast doesn't look too good, but hopefully uh, hopefully it changes. Well, maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll come Sunday and, you know, we'll go from there. Hopefully, man. It's, I'm, I'm ready. It's been, a, it's been a long winter. You know, it seems like Florida was forever ago <laughs> now. And, you know, it didn't run as good as I felt like we probably should have. So I'm, I'm ready to redeem myself. So – Let's just go. What made you pick the one G? What what made you come with that number? Where'd that come from? Well, my dad was nineteen, and my grandpa was one. And uh, at one point in time, my dad was driving for my grandpa, and they combined the numbers, and it was one nineteen. And I always liked the number one. I always thought it looked good on the cars. Uh, like back when John Gill, he 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 was number one for a while. The Indiana uh, one, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, every and there's a lot of number ones, so I had to put a, a letter on it somewhere. So just one G stuck, and and then it just went from there. You know, I I uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite number. I mean, if I, I I'm I like 19 just because that was my dad's number, right. but my grandpa was number one, and I just inherited his number, and then put a G behind it, and we just rolled with it. Hey guys, I want to take a quick break here um, to work in some stuff for our sponsors. And uh, we'll come back here in just a second, if that's okay. Again, I want to thank our sponsors, InTheFastLaneProductions.com, Schaefer Photo and Custom Tea, and Kenny Montgomery Music. Please check out our website at www.ThrottledUpPodcast.com and click on the links for our sponsors. If you like what we're doing, please support them because they help support us to do this every week. Again... That's in the fastlaneproductions.com, uh, Schaefer Photo and Custom Tea, and Kenny Montgomery Music. Thank you to our sponsors. Now, back to more with Devin Gilpin. Welcome back again to Throttled Up the Podcast. Hey, I want to I want to thank those sponsors that we just gave a shout out to, and uh, we're back here again. Got Devin Gilpin in studio with us. Uh, took a short break there to thank our sponsors, and we're gonna get right back into it with Devin. So. Devin, again, we kind of talked about this, and I'm going to say, you know, throughout everything, you know, your modified, you know, competitions going into the Indiana Dirt Late Model, who would you say right now is that rival you love to race against? And I'm not talking about bad blood. I'm talking about the one you respect that you just love getting the opportunity to, to race against. Uh, I would say right now it would probably be Hudson. You know, he, he he's a good 
a good kid he's a good race car driver and uh you know i like i said i think our fans want us to be rivals and i think our fans maybe are a little bit of rivals but i enjoy racing with him because he, he's a good little driver and you know he i'm quite a bit older than him i guess i still feel young but i'm getting up there and you know i enjoy racing i enjoy racing with everybody though i i i, I if we can have a good race and good clean race i i'm all for it with anybody he, he does have driver's license now so. does he, he yeah. he's a licensed driver good <laughs> it's about time yeah <laughs> he is a special young man though and 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 it's exciting to see guys because you are older than him but most everybody is but it's exciting to see those generations again you know huddy being a younger guy you guys being kind of in, in the prime of you guys' careers and some of these older drivers, but it's exciting to see that competition level all over. Absolutely. And uh, the Lucas offers that every week. And it seems like the super late model deal on a local level is kind of being very dismal. And the crate the crate stuff is, is rising. But, uh, you know, uh, we got a bunch of good racers around this area, and, and, and I really think we're going to see that this, this crate deal is going to keep excelling and taking off and i think it should it's it's more economical and more people can can do it the super late model stuff is just what it takes to do it money wise is just crazy and uh the the crate deal i think is uh is where the future is for around here yeah you know unless you're going to run a series you just really can't afford to put the money that you need to in a super late model engine and and go race you know just at your local track you know, if you're just going to stay local and not travel and not race in a series, you're probably better off just running the crates. If I was a promoter, I would probably not run super late models just because there's no cars to draw from around here, really. Pretty much all the supercars are gone. And if I was a racer and, and I didn't have the budget to go run a regional, national deal, I would have a crate because the competition level's good. It pays halfway decent, and it doesn't cost near as much to race a crate car. And like I said, that's where I think we're going to be in the next two to three years is you're just going to keep seeing this crate class grow and uh, keep getting bigger and better. If you could be, let's say, you know, you get to the point that uh, you're well-funded and you could put a driver under your wing and bring them up, you know, with you, who is the one driver that hasn't got the break yet that you'd love to see to get a break? Alan Roller. He's four years old. He's right inside (laughs) the living room. Um, I, like I said, he likes yellow, and he really liked you waving at him earlier. Just, I, I apologize. No. Man, that's a good question, and I never really put much thought into it on who I would – if I had – if a perfect world, I had an opportunity to, you know, help a guy or, or fund a guy. I'm really not sure who I would, who I would go after. Um, I just didn't know, you know, you're at the races as much as I am, or probably more than me, really, that – you see a guy that just hasn't got the break yet that you see talent he just don't maybe have the equipment that that you know will get him where he needs to get to or something like that you know you know I, i'm really not sure because it seems like everybody has good equipment now it's uh, they they've wheedled out like uh what i call the economy guy now right. it's just like everybody that's there has a decent budget to go race on but if if i could pick somebody that i would take under my wing I would like to try my uncle's son, uh, Chandler, because he's grew up around it. Oh yeah, he's followed me. He's been with me. He's tried it a few times, and he he was a pretty decent little shoe. So I would like to see what he could do. He just 
he's in college and stuff and and got other things going on golf and fishing and stuff but i would like to like to help him one of these days that'd be pretty cool that's cool what do you think you know and and i i threw out my son and i've i've talked about this on some of our previous podcasts my ultimate dream would be that he wants to wants to race you know it was something that i grew up loving and didn't get the chance and you know as i've told every driver who's walked in here to record with us i i I thought I built the ultimate race shop already and where I live because I built the race shop in my house inside of it. So my ultimate goal is that he would want to do something like this for a kid that's looking to get into it for a young guy that maybe has never jumped in. What would your, your suggestions be? What would your advice be? Go golf. (laughs) No, no. Fair enough. No. uh, In all reality, push to find a sponsor because it's just uh, literally this this isn't like any other sport it's not like i can go to the gym and and practice free throws or build my biceps or uh it's all about dollars you know Mm -hmm. there's no compensation for money in racing period there just isn't so uh it's just such a expensive sport i mean any other way no that's what i always tell everybody when that's why I'm so thankful because I go to these Lucas races and I walk down each up and down each side of this pit lane and I look around and I say, okay, his dad owns a multi-million dollar company. His papa owns that. No disrespect. That's just how it, the cards yeah. played for them. But I get to looking and I'm one of the only few people that has a ride. Most everyone else there is, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a family deal and I'm one of the only few that has a ride. So it's just it's just tough to break through and get a ride just because it's so darn much money to do this. And I wish we could find a way to make it cheaper. And that's why I think that crate class is going to keep growing because it's more of an economical deal. More people can afford it to, to race that car. It doesn't cost weekly. It doesn't cost much to maintain it. And, um, you know, like I said, that's where I think we're going to be at in the next five years. You're going to see a boatload of crate cars. And, you know, you brought that point out and say, you know, that – that kid's family owns this multi-million dollar company and you've seen it and i'm not going to mention names but i mean i'm sure me and you could list off five that they are sitting in the greatest equipment money can buy (laughs) and they have no lick of talent in the seat and I, i sometimes wish that they weren't so selfish and they say you know this guy's good but he has no money behind him let's you know let me get out of the seat and let's put this guy in and you know let's let this money go further than it would with me but it seems like you know those kids just because dad will spend it on them or and and then they run the money out and then that that team just goes away where if they could have maybe you even the dad say you know maybe this ain't for you let's put somebody else in it and we'll keep racing and you just be part of the crew well i think we're going to get a good opportunity to see that this year because from my understanding lucas Wemiller, uh which he got into racing last year he, he's one of them guys that never he lived up on uh, up on the lake the million dollar lake and never been to brownstown to watch a race he came out to my shop, was interested in, in going racing, and he, and he bought a car off of us, and he started racing last year and fell in love with it. And long story short, he's got another car now. Well, he's picked up this kid, from my understanding, that was an iRacing kid. I really don't know the whole gist of it. I just talked to him a little bit about it, and he's going to give the kid a shot. So we're going to you know, we're gonna see here if, if that pans out, and I think it would be awesome if it does. Oh, yeah. so, so we'll see, and I, I really uh, – got to applaud him for giving somebody like that a chance and and taking a shot on a kid that that he uh, i think he sees talent in and and you know might produce to be a good race car driver one of these days and i got to know lucas here just from the racetrack last year 
And I'll tell you what, that guy's a hoot, man. He's he's fun to hang out with. Crowbar. You know? Oh yeah, crowbar. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he he's a great guy, and and uh, I, I think he's good for the sport, and he, he's definitely good for Brownstown, yeah. you know. And uh, it's a it's a family deal for him, you know. Him and his dad and his family, they all go every Saturday night, and it's something uh, they fell in love with. And I'm gonna give him a shout out too. You know, he learning to race, and I went over to Eldor for the uh, the Johnny Appleseed, and out rolls. Lucas Wee-Miller, you know, he's got five races under his belt all at Brownstown, and now he's at Eldora, and I, you know, you, you got to give him props for yeah. that. Yeah, he took off and went to East Bay, you know, and, yeah. and he he's uh, he's learning, and I, I think he's going to get there one of these days. You just got to keep, you know, getting seat time in the seat, and, you know, and, and at the end of the day, they're having fun, and that's what they go to do. They, they go to have fun and have a good time and drink a lot of beer afterwards. Well, loud and loose racing. Loud man. and loose, baby, crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're working on getting him uh, – getting him on the show here so maybe we can that can be some breaking news there he can yeah. let us know who the iRacing yeah. kid is yeah, that he's putting on there so and you know and i think one thing that as you talk there for a team if if somebody's got that money i would think it'd be a lot more fun to get somebody in the seat that you can go to victory lane with i mean to roll it off again even with the money there's a lot of work and a lot of effort just even if you don't wrench it all week, just getting in the hauler and driving to the track and the miles you guys put in, if I'm going to do it, I want somebody in the seats going to take me to victory lane because, again, I want to go down to Blondie's and hang out and, and celebrate. So I want to make sure we're winning. Well, I'm sure the ride home after you leave victory lane is way better than loading it up when you you know you finish 10th and, and go to the house. So, I mean, there has to be a difference there. Absolutely. Been a lot of long rides home, <laughs> I can tell you. And that's the thing. I'm the type of guy. It don't matter for playing cornhole, golfing, tossing quarters. I want to win. So I, I couldn't imagine not having that competition, that that fire in me not to win. So if I didn't have it and have the talent to do this, I would probably tell myself that and try to get somebody in the seat that can do yeah. it. Because like I said, I want to win. Yeah, I was gonna say if you don't have that personality, you have no business being in the seat. You know because, I mean that's all you out there. You know, yeah, you have to have a good car and you have to have a good crew to help you get there. But you know, when you once roll, we roll out of that shoot, it's just you it's and that, you. you and machine. That's, that's it. Right. Well, and that kind of goes back to some of your heroes too, because I'm pretty sure Tony Stewart would compete against anything and any time and anywhere. And it don't matter who you are, how much he likes you, he's going to beat you. And he has that tinge of not just beat you, embarrass you. I mean, if oh, he can, he wants to. Absolutely, and that, that's the thing. That, that's kind of who I grew up watching and wanting to be like, and and fortunately enough i've been able to become buddies with him and see that you know it doesn't matter if we're if we're playing a golf game on the on, on the arcade golf game or we're shooting pool or we're playing poker it don't matter the guy wants to embarrass you and beat you bad and and that's where i think i get my competitive deal i just want to win at everything i do and uh and that's definitely smoke for you and somebody take some people take that the wrong way and i've always thought that he got kind of a a bad rap i'm a huge tony fan and grew up a tony fan but i think they took that as this arrogance and it, and it, is he very proud of his accomplishments 100 percent? he should be but his desire to be the best is what got him where he was he refused to listen to what anybody else said absolutely man the, the guy did it his way and he's passionate he's passionate about anything he does i don't if he's if he's managing his deer farm or he's uh his world of outlaw teams or anything he does he's passionate about it and uh and he's competitive and wants to win and uh you know i admire that out of him and 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 like i said just fortunate and thankful to be able to build a friendship with him and, and uh call him my friend and 
you know, I, I've learned a lot from him. He's gave me a lot of good advice when I was going through tough times in my life. You know, he's been there and done that times ten. So, and I, I leaned on him for advice, and and he he was a he was a good friend to me, and 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 really gave me some good good advice and good help. And that shows a really different side of him as well. That and again, not that not that he's not a good side a good guy, but to see that he'd reach out to you in those times is is huge. And you know, the last thing I will say about him as a as a fan of his growing up and watching him in NASCAR. I never understood how somebody could be a fan of a driver who would come in and just had a tough race or just lost one at the end and they'd crawl out of the car and they'd, you know, they'd give the standard business answer of, hey, I just want to thank Coke and it was a good run and thank you this and thank you that. I love that Tony got out and said, don't talk to me. And I'm, you know, I wanted that. I mean, because I just sat here for four hours with you going around the racetrack, listen to you on the scanner on my phone or at the racetrack, listen to you. I'm mad that something happened. I want you to get out with the same passion and fire I have. So it just cracked me up that some of these NASCAR business types, people were fans of because I'm like, no, man, I want Tony. I want him to get out and kick the gas can and, and take off to the hauler and upset the, the guy that wants to interview him because he's like, I'm not talking to you right now. So I always appreciated that as well absolutely man and that's that's why i'm a kyle bush fan and i know he he, he, <laughs> catch, right. he catches a lot of grief over that and i know the guy won sunday and was happy but if he goes and runs second at bristol next week he's going to be upset because he wants to win everything he does and he'll be cussing everybody that that kept him from getting absolutely to and, victory that, line. and that's tony stewart and, and that's just because he's passionate about it he's passionate about what he does and he loves it and that's why you know uh, he's not happy with second and, and i'm with you I, I want the guy to get out and and if, if he's happy with second, then something's wrong. So. Yeah, yeah and, and that's and not to talk a whole bunch of NASCAR, but that's what I do appreciate about the stage racing that they've brought into it because far too often I think NASCAR had become, I just ride around till the end, I wrench it, I give some pit strategy, I get up front. What it's done now is it's making guys race. And if you don't want to get on the wheel and race, a lot like what you guys do every Saturday night and – for anyone who maybe is listening to this and isn't a real race fan and thinks, man, I watch NASCAR on Sunday and they just kind of cruise around and it's it's long and it's kind of draw you know drawn out. Go to Saturday night because they're helping NASCAR with the stages, making guys get up on the wheel. But what you guys do on Saturday nights, you're on the wheel nonstop. Absolutely, and and I tell you uh, just a quick deal about the NASCAR thing and and really what I see is happening is guys like kenny wallace and schrader and, and stewart and kyle larson uh they did a piece this past weekend on on uh, fox of uh, the where's wallace piece and it was all about grassroots racing yes they went yeah. back to grassroots racing and and they're real. i mean kevin harvick did it a couple weeks ago went and ran a can in west race and they're actually i think nascar and the fans are seeing that they came from somewhere you know all these guys yeah. came from a grassroots local dirt track asphalt track and they're starting to give it the publicity I think it deserves. And uh, I think it's going to be big for a sport year or two down the road if it keeps progressing the way it is because we got guys like Kyle Larson and Kenny Wallace, the you know avid on Twitter about support your local dirt track and Schrader and all these guys. So I really think the, you know, the future's bright from the NASCAR side trickling down to the dirt stuff. and well, Larson says that he wants to hit and win his one or two championships yeah. so he can go back and get in the sprint car and be done. That but, must just tell you how boring they are to drive. Oh, yeah. It's just all about <laughs> money. Well, and, and I think exactly what you just said, NASCAR there for a while I think lost touch with their – and you just – and 
one of the things I'll give you so much respect on is you came in here and you said, man, I'm a historian of this. And you, you can see that. And that the love and passion you have for this sport as a whole is huge. But NASCAR got away from that. And we've talked about that on this show. This sport started from moonshiners trying to run away from the cops. Junior I mean, Johnson, man. It was about – it wasn't about anything other than if I don't win this race, meaning running from the cops, I go to jail. Yeah. So yeah. everything was fair game. Everything was, you know, you, you you played dirty pool a little bit. You made sure things happened. And, and NASCAR tried to become so corporate for a second that they wanted to distance themselves from the dirt guys. And – what I think they figured out is as soon as you distance the dirt guys, the racers, you distance your fan base too because what we want to do more than anything is, again, is to be able to tell the stories that, hey, man, I saw Tony Stewart run at the Bartholomew County Fair, and then all of a sudden next week he's he's racing on Sunday. Or, you know, and, and a guy from my hometown in Mitchell, you know, Chase Briscoe, I get to watch him fly into the No Way Out 40 and run and the next week he's at the truck race. So those are the things as fans we want to see. We want to see Devin Gilpin go on and, and continue his career because that's exciting for us for those memories and connections. If it, it, you know, if I had it to do over again, I would have probably pursued more of a sprint car side of the career because it seems like those guys get way more attention. You know, I, I don't understand it <laughs> yeah. because we'll go to the No Way Out 40 and it's going to pay $10,000 to win and them sprint car guys act like that's the dirt late model dream they act like it's a hundred thousand dollars well we race for ten thousand twenty twenty five every weekend somewhere that's right you know these the sprint i wish i had a sprint car career at one time but i don't think the risk to reward is worth it you know unless you do go to the next level you know but they don't race for enough money i don't feel to maybe have a full-time sprint car career but uh why do you think that that disconnect is there? I know you said you don't know, but what? Why do you think? Because I I come when we've talked. I lean a little bit more to the sprint cars. I grew up south of Bloomington Speedway and and watch Kevin Briscoe wheel around that. And and it's obvious I lean all the way to the dirt late model side. And in case you haven't seen, if anybody hasn't seen, <laughs> and I I hate to to bring this up, but if you haven't seen Chase Briscoe racing his sprint car um the one he's gonna run he went back to the red and white paint scheme and it's the kevin briscoe colors so the the black and neon yellow that's chase briscoe racing runs is running that but he went to the classic red and white briscoe mobile home sprint car and released that the other day so i'm pumped to see that car at some point but why do you think that the sprint guys transition that way more than you guys because the talent pool now is my question is is it the fact that there is less money in the sprint, so those guys are more aggressive and more hungry to try and make that jump and make that leap? And some of the guys in the dirt late models can have a true career running Lucas and running World of Outlaws and be very successful and have that money and be comfortable? Do you think that's part of it? I, Go ahead. I think it's the connection to USAC, too. I think USAC pushes their guys is, is a lot of that. That, you know, they – those sprint guys don't always run a sanctioned USAC show, but True. you know they show up and run some USAC, and I think USAC pushes that a lot there. USAC's a big thing. I mean, you, you, if you go back, you got AJ Foy and, <laughs> and and all these guys that ran USAC way back in the day, and and even recent. Let's take uh, Brian Clawson won the USAC championship that gave him an Indy Lights ride. The same for Chris Windham this mm-hmm. year. He's getting an Indy Lights ride, and. and I, that's just I, maybe the car owners in NASCAR and the higher series think the sprint cars are more difficult to drive. You, I'm really not sure why that, why there's so much separation there that really the dirt late model guy didn't 
normally doesn't get a chance like the sprint car guy does i'm, I'm really not sure but I, i'm a fan of both i mean you know, I, I love world of outlaw sprint cars i love usac i love midgets i i love all racing it don't matter indy car f1 but uh you know like i said I, I wish i you know i've drove sprint car a handful of times and really enjoy it but i, I wish probably you know back in my younger days i would have i would have did more of that and you were talking about you know the drivers i can uh remember back in the early to mid 90s scott bloomquist kind of dabbled in arca for a little bit a race or two and uh, i think one of the comments in an interview he made was why do i want to be a little fish in a big pond when i can be the big fish in the little pond and it's like you said that money that he can make you know in the, in the dirt late model side you know with, with his racing and his merchandising mm-hmm. i don't think i said think he's seen he wasn't going to make that in arca so he's like i'm not i don't need to make this move and, and i think that's kind of the weird thing and, and yes the world of outlaw sprint series there's some guys there i mean when you want to talk about you know the king steve kinzer i mean you can run that forever and and live a great career and a great life there's no doubt but it just seems to me like you said that some of these sprint guys it's like i gotta do this i gotta make a name for myself and i gotta make the jump and late model guys it seems like they're they're a little more sat back and, and comfortable and content it feels yeah and, and not that they're they're not going out and competing on the weekends but i'm making really good money at this i get the chance to race every week and i'm living out my dream and to make that jump to the next level it's it's a little bit of a gamble i mean it, it is a gamble it's not a little bit it is <laughs> that chase briscoe took a hell of a gamble and it it, it panned out yeah <laughs> and that, believe it or not that's that's crazy but i you know, like that's like I said, the risk to reward in sprint car racing just doesn't add up to me versus dirt late model racing. You know, I can, like I said, the the no way out forty is ten thousand now, and the, the that's a huge race for these Absolutely. guys. Ten thousand dollars. Well, we can race for ten thousand every weekend somewhere, and that that's no big deal. You know, we race for a hundred thousand twice, and then we got Cody Summer bringing the dirt million. You know, I, I that's that's what I don't understand that the 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 sprint car world really it's awesome racing i think the racing in my opinion is more pure it's more driver you know i feel the dirt late models is 80 percent car 20 percent driver your car's gotta be on point to win these lucas races where in a sprint car if you're off a little bit the driver can compensate for that and like i said i think the sprint car racing is probably more pure i know i might catch some grief over that over my my dirt late model guys but but we had joss moffat on here two episodes ago and you know he's a three-time lawrenceburg track champion in the non-week sprint and he said he would love to lay down to sit down in a, in a dirt late model and, and race at one time he said that that intrigues him so he's another one that you know has pretty much committed to one sport but he's dying for somebody to say hey come in here and i'll let you take some laps in a dirt late model because i mean that's what he said wasn't it dustin that he, absolutely he would love to turn laps and just see what a dirt late model was like Oh, I'm sure, man. Uh, me and Joss, uh, I, I, you know, he's from Columbus, buddies oh, yeah. with Joss. Uh, hung out with him quite a bit. And, you know, I, th- I feel if you're a racer, you want to – it don't matter if we're racing bicycles or, yeah. or what we're doing. You want to race it. And, you know, he's never tried a dirt late model, obviously, so he's probably eager to get that feel and see what that's like. You know, I'm sure he's watched a bunch of them, and, and he's curious. You know, and that oh, was yeah. like me with a sprint car. I was I was curious to see how it drove and how it handled and, you know, how a 410, you know, a 410 worked with 1,200 pounds, uh, you know, a 1,200-pound car. So – you know he, he's probably intrigued by that and i could see that and you know that, that's like me now i've did a i've did a non-wing car i'm i'm wanting to try a 305 at bloomington or something to, to, to see what that feels like that's just the racer in you man like you said if it's got four wheels and a motor you'll you'll climb in it and drive it so but that also goes back to some of those best guys that have that have done this at every level is 
jump in anything that you can drive don't be afraid of it get in it drive it wheel it and good bad or indifferent just wheel it man and have a passion and a love for it i think that 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 just goes back to the passion i have for tony stewart you know that that, that it didn't matter Baja, it doesn't matter you yeah. give him four wheels and a, a, a wheel a steering wheel he'll drive same with jeff gordon you know yes. oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was the same way it didn't matter the guy was talented and in, in about anything he did and you know that that's what i like about it a guy that's versatile that can go from a, a late model on tuesday and win go go run a non-wing sprint car and be competitive and then go to nascar on sunday and be competitive that that's the guy i you know i admire and i think that's why kyle larson right now is the most exciting guy in nascar to watch and i struggled and we've kind of talked about this i when stewart retired and stepped away i had that like oh my gosh who who do i root for and i'm i'm in a fantasy league and so i get those guys to root for but i'm like this is weird for the first time really in my my nascar fandom i don't have someone to root for and it didn't take long that larson's my guy because i wanted to watch a guy that now he's a little too friendly for me i want i wish he'd put a little more bumper on people but i i wanted a guy that that would jump in anything in race i wanted a guy that when they they talked on sunday they're like well he, he was here thursday night and then he flew here friday night and then he raced xfinity saturday to figure out the track and then on sunday he's back again i i want that guy that just wants to race and i'm with you and, and it's funny you brought up nascar fantasy because I, I i grew up a big nascar fan dale earnhardt tony stewart fan and i'd kind of got distant with it, it yeah, i kind of got bored with it wasn't into it and if you're that person and you used to be a fan and kind of kind of lost it play nascar fantasy oh you'll get right and back. it will bring you back i <laughs> promise because i i am big into that now and i'm watching every lap and at the end of stage two who am i going to change in and out and i'm big into it but you get to rooting for people that you would never root oh my god absolutely yeah you're pulling for them (laughs) yeah my wife even jumped in matt runs a league and my wife jumped in this year and and in my other league she's kind of watched and and her now she's hilarious she's like hey there's a race today and i'm like oh yeah i kind of you know i kind of space that what what time's on it's on at 3 (laughs) 30 and she's like we we got to make sure i I know who my driver is this week so (laughs) even you're exactly right it totally changes the perspective when you're truly you got something on somebody are you going to travel down to atomic on friday and try to race or um i don't think so we had talked about it and i think we're just gonna we had talked about going to farmer city friday and then coming back to brownstown saturday but i'm not sure uh it, it might just be a brownstown weekend i think if uh if we don't go to uh farmer city friday me and grandpa and kurt's gonna load up and go to bloomington and race modifieds well, me and me and Roller might have to show up over there and, and uh, you know maybe come down and hang out with you for and, yeah. and see how it goes there. I, you know, I travel. You know, I, I travel with the uh, the Indiana Pro Late models because I, I announced their series and uh, you know so I usually go over twice twice a year for when they go over there and race. So but, you know, mine being because Saturday's kind of scaring me there. That, yeah, yeah. That eighty percent makes me nervous and and, and I'm I ready love to see Bloomington races. Speedway. I'm a big Bloomington fan, man. I love Bloomington myself. I grew up I grew up there and I and I love that Speedway and and uh, so yeah, that'd be a lot of fun to get to go over and watch you run there. So let us know. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, I love Bloomington and I always tell people, like I said, I, I'm not just a racer. I, I try to be a race fan uh i try to put my promoter hat on sometimes and the driver hat and i always tell people that if like i've told promoters if you go look at bloomington's appearance i always i'm always big on that the grass is cut great the facility's beautiful you know and you go to some of these facilities and it's just like they don't care Mm -hmm. you know 
and i always tell everybody go if you've never been to bloomington go to bloomington and check it out it's a great racetrack it's a great facility and it's a one of the premier sprint car tracks in indiana yeah absolutely well boys we're at uh we're an hour and 32 minutes if you believe that that we've been recording and uh you know Devin, here's what i want to tell you man and it's it's great to meet you i've never gotten the opportunity to and i really appreciate you coming down and doing the show with us but i i want to go back and i just want to thank you again man and it's your passion your love for this sport that comes through in your in your the history you know of it but your passion not only for the history but your passion for the future means a ton to me and and thank you thank you for the things you do and 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 not just what you do after the race thank you for going out every day and and pulling those belts tight and and putting on the show you put on for us because we talked about safety for a long time in this segment and you put your your life on the line every time you do that and you know for a guy that sits in the stands and gets to cheer you on i really really truly appreciate that so thank you for what you do man i thank you guys for having me i'm I'm looking forward to coming back so hopefully i hopefully i can come back oh, yeah and- we'll definitely bring you back it's yeah. And I, I want to thank you for just being a great ambassador of the sport. You know, like you said, you know, you, you called yourself, you know, historian and, you know, you obviously try to push the sport, you know, and make sure it keeps growing for the next generation. And, you know, we need a whole lot more people like that, that make sure it's here for our kids and, and our grandkids. And because, you know, I grew up, you know, at the racetrack, you grew up, at, grew up at the racetrack and I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world is the time I spent you know at a, at a dirt racetrack somewhere Man, you know I, I, I couldn't imagine what i would be doing if i wasn't right. racing I, I i couldn't imagine you know I, I was that kid that was just had a dream to be a race car driver and and it's been crazy it's been a whirlwind and like i said i just thank you guys for having me today this has been a lot of fun this is an awesome setup you have here and i, I really think this is going to be a cool deal down the road and i'm excited to see what you guys can do and like i said i just hope you have me back and oh, here's th- the only thing i'm gonna ask if you come back again can you get grandpa and dad to come with you I can do that. We got two extra mics. I'd yeah. love to have Grandpa on here and get, yeah. I mean, get some of the behind the scenes dirt yeah. on Devin Gilpin. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee it. My Grandpa will come, and and maybe I can get a, uh, maybe I can get my Uncle Mace to sponsor yeah. us some some dinners. Hey, I'm go. all up for that, man. <laughs> yeah, and awesome. I, I'll I'll just throw it out right now because you know my wife works in Brownstown and and graduated from Brownstown High School, so Blondie's is a a special place to us. So if you're listening and and you're headed out to the dirt track this weekend if mother nature plays fair with us stop by and eat at blondie's i mean you won't find better pizza and better sandwiches than blondie's right there man it's a great service great place and and great food so and and if you're in brownstown during the week their lunch buffet is is pretty awesome too yeah that it is excellent so Devin, again man can you know good luck this this season and this week and hopefully we get out and I appreciate you being here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I said, thank you guys, and I really had a good time and looking forward to coming back. Awesome. Thank you, guys.
dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that dirt, 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 dirt. Gotta get back to it. I've been the Kenny Wallace of the rap game. Ever since I hit him with that dirt track thing. Now nationwide, everybody knows my name. They're like, Mama, that's Kenny Montgomery. He sings that song we like. Yeah, boy, that's me. Roll out the trailer, I'm flossing. Huh. Them Hoosier tires glossing. Yep. Them cold kind, we're tossing. Right. They know I came to wreck it, yet I rarely bring out a caution. Get I hit the high side, boy, I park it for Brian Clausen. Uh. I do them like Kyle Larson. Watch me throw them sliders. Party in victory lane, and y'all boys ain't invited. Your mama gets excited when I pull up to unload. Even your grandpa talking about, man, that boy too cold. We don't sit on 24. We don't ride on spinners uh -uh. I'm posted up on them 15s with platinum dirt defenders yes. Got kids up in my window like, hey Mo, are you gonna win it? Uh -huh. Yeah, I hope y'all brought some stamps Cause y'all know I'm about to send it on there Dirt, 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 I'm all about that Dirt, 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 I'm throwing Dirt, 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 I miss that Dirt, 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 gotta get back to I'm it I'm a dirt trackaholic Call it what you call it Saturday night I am so Kenny Wallace on that Dirt, 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 dirt I miss that Dirt, 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 dirt Gotta get back to it I just won hot laps for the third week Lil Dave said he thinks we're in the first heat So I go and check the board on my bike Sitting outside pole Y'all know what it's looking like uh -huh. W, W, that's another George W Hit him with that half a lap Like dang, what gear you running, dude? And where'd you get that fire suit? Man, I like that stitching Velocity USA, hey, just tell Brad that I sent you I'm shining like I'm rubbered up And I'm smiling for the pics Y'all boys be looking tacky while I stay looking slick Four new rims, no new friends They never know what I'm planning And mama just gave me them eyes like they maybe you looking handsome We pray and sing the anthem Nobody takes a knee We stop and show respect Cause we're all proud to be From the land of the free and the home of the brave Y'all better wake up and get it We're making America great again Let's all go out and kick it on there Dirt, 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 dirt I'm all about that Dirt, 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 dirt I'm throwing Dirt, 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 dirt I miss that Dirt, 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 dirt Gotta get back to it I'm a dirt trackaholic Call it what you call it Saturday night I am so Kenny Wallace on that Dirt, 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 dirt I miss that Dirt, 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 dirt Gotta get back to it